are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. I'm so glad that you could do this today. Me too. Yeah. I was looking forward to it. I'm so glad. It's yeah. so much fun. It is. Are we awake? Do we have coffee? I should have brought coffee. I drank a cup. Are you a coffee drinker? Oh, yeah. Um, you, do you need some? No, I had three already. That's good. We don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the greetings. <laughs> you need it too bad. Yeah, right. We need a lockbox like the Sozo people have a lockbox. Their paperwork, our water bottles. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, we ready? Ready. Welcome, Shine Podcast Hello. listeners. This is Betty. This is Katie. Every- oh, you're amazing. And Are you doing this on purpose? <laughs> We're here with the distinguished Ron Myers today. Yay. Welcome, Ron. Oh, glad to be here. So glad to have you here. <laughs> Ron Myers was born in Chicago, raised in Pittsburgh. I'm assuming you're a Steelers fan. From top to bottom. All right. So. Oh. Golden Black all the way. And Crestview. He's a Crestview Rebel fan. Oh, okay. Yes, he I met, am. He met Jesus at church camp when he was 12. And at 16, he started leading contemporary worship at an Episcopal church. He got mixed reviews from that. <laughs> at 17, he went to Temple University in Philly. And he played baseball and found some trouble, lost some Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Went to Ohio State at Worcester after he took a break from Temple and worked to save some money. Found Jesus again at Ohio State and... Amazing. He's everywhere. (laughs) right. Found Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So Yes, I did. He went to Indiana after the greatest trial of his life, which he'll have to tell us about. He met his wife, Kathy, when he was 22. They've been married for 44 years. They have five kids and 10 grandkids. He's been in a Christian band. He bought and owns Fire Force. He's gone to four colleges and seminaries, Goshen College Bible School. He's very much edumacated. (laughs) Is that what that is? (laughs) He's gone on many missions trips. He and Kathy have been a part of the Upper Room for 28 years. He was an elder. He retired from that position three years ago. I was going to say, don't look at me. Greg's not here. I can't (laughs) help you with that. But he still is a part of the leadership team. He works on the church finances and anything else they ask him to do. Mm -hmm. He also was a worship leader at the Upper Room before Kate came along. So, welcome, Ron. Glad to have you here. I'm glad, yeah. glad to be here. I feel honored. You so two good. awesome ladies. Unbelievable. <laughs> Thanks. So, Ron, tell us who or what lit you up? I think as far as long term, I had a, a really good mentor as uh, I grew up in the Lord, and I had opportunities that God gave me that really lit me up. When uh, we had were living in Pittsburgh, we were going to a, uh, a church of the Brethren, the, actually the Jewish side of Pittsburgh. It's a very interesting time because I, I got to go through that time when the charismatic movement was just beginning. And uh, at the church there, we would play every Sunday night. Uh, our band would play there, and then would there be ministry 
going on. And we saw unbelievable healings. Um, there was always a room off to the side that, that was packed with people that wanted to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, we prayed on one person after another. And it was, it was just a great training ground and an opportunity to, you know, be free to try to, uh, work through your gifts. Like I said, not only did we play music, but we ministered. Uh, music. It was a great learning experience. And the pastor there, we became very, very close. And I also ran the youth ministry, which grew really nicely. But Sunday morning was normal, and Sunday night was crazy. You know, we'd have several hundred people in a small environment that were just there to, to receive from Jesus, get a word, or be healed, or, or receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so that lit me up as a young man. Was that during the Jesus People movement? Yeah, about around that time. Probably about 70, I don't know, 76 in that, about probably 77 in that era right there. Because Kathy and I got married in 76 and we moved eventually right there into Pittsburgh. And, you know, being free to be able to express yourself and to not be afraid um, that somebody was going to come down on you because you didn't do this right um, was a great environment to grow in. And then so I decided at the same time that I really needed to go into full-time ministry. And so I started to go to uh, this seminary downtown, which was an Episcopal seminary, but uh, very charismatic in nature. And uh, so I started to go to seminary to prepare my heart to be able to go and minister full-time. And uh, that's when Kathy and I got the call to go to Goshen, Indiana, and to work with a group of kids on campus. God really saw us there and met us there. We were there just a little over a year and a half because our goal uh, when I went there was to establish a full-time presence on campus with the group that was there. So once we accomplished that, Kathy uh, was pregnant with Becky and really wanted to come back home. In the midst of that, that transferring back over here, God gave me a very strong word that I need not worry and that I would actually be in my own business within the year. Now, I just love receiving words like that, you know, where you have time to, to think about it. But if, if I thought about how it all ended up, that word was dead on right. Within the year, the company that I had worked with previously, I got my job back when I went back to Pittsburgh. And within the year, I, I purchased Fire Force, which was actually fire safe. It was amazing how you know, God met me. And I really felt like, you know, because we, we were very obedient to go to Goshen and then also to come back, that he just blessed us because of that. It also put us in line to be close to Northway Christian Community, which was just starting, uh, which was our, the, our next step of ministry that we were to go into. When you talk about mentors, you know, you found Jesus at 12, and then you were leading worship at 16, but went away to college. Did you have those mentors in your life the whole time, or did you have a no. series of mentors and... We joked about you lost him at college, Jesus. I but did. you didn't have mentors in your life in that season. Yes, actually, there were probably three three different times within my life that I felt like I was I had no one that I could really go talk to. Of course, my dad, I could do that. Uh, my dad was a, a just an awesome believing man of God. So I I could always go there. But there's there's times when you're living somewhere and you really need that continued fellowship all the time. New Christians, or even Christians that have been around for a long time, need to guard against the fact that they have to have that fellowship to restore those things. Mm -hmm. So I got lost. You know, I got lost. You know, those two times, well, actually it was three times in my life that I came back to Christ. I'm not real happy about that, but I also realized Well, you're happy about coming back. I'm coming back, <laughs> but I wasn't happy about, you know, wandering off. But I, man, the Lord's amazing. His timing is perfect. And how he guides and directs us, even in the midst of absolute chaos and stupidity on my part. Well, we have talked about that a lot on this podcast about mentors and sewing into people's lives. And so this is just reinforcement 
that it's so important that we have people in our lives that will speak into us and encourage us and keep us on the straight and narrow. And on the flip side of that, I think it's also if you don't have people in your life that you are speaking into, you need to start looking for them because it can make all the difference in the world. It absolutely makes a difference. I can pinpoint those people that just have been the touch points for me in my life, especially even those that, that brought me back to, to that place that I needed to be. I've been really grateful of those individuals that mm. way. But like I said, the first one I, I really felt was a, a full full mentor for me was when we were at the Church of the Brethren. That really just he began to feed into me, and, and that's where I really had the desire to get into the ministry. I've, I've been in the ministry uh, for even though, though I came back and worked, I'm still in the ministry. I've always been heavily involved in ministry activities. I really enjoy people. I enjoy speaking into their lives as others have spoken into my life. I enjoy laying hands on them and seeing them receive see the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receive Jesus. And I've had the great opportunity that God has given me to, you know, to minister to a lot of people in my life. That's a, an amazing thing for me. Can you hit on that for a minute? You said, even though I had a full-time job, I was still ministering. Sure. Just the mindset that oftentimes we have as Christians that you're in the ministry if you're full-time at the church, you're this, this, and this. But I think ministry looks differently than that. Absolutely. Uh, But I had to overcome that thought even for myself, especially when went into full-time when we left for Goshen and decided to come back and take a job as well as be involved in ministry. I had to overcome those thoughts. I thought I was a failure at first, thinking, you know, I succeeded when I was there, but when I came back, what what did I do? And now I'm exchanging, going part-time ministry for full-time ministry. Did I succeed in that? And for me, again, it was another God incident, that the purchasing of the business via what the Word of God that He given me earlier, which was absolutely amazing. God orchestrated the fact that the two partners fought and decided to give up the service business that I bought for $5,000, along with a, a product line named MSA, which they told me I'd never do well at. I think we did a little over $3 million with them last year. And so, you know, but in the midst of that, once I came to grips with the fact that that wasn't a failure to be in both a practical job as well as ministry, it flowed from there. I really encourage if there's somebody that even listens to this podcast that is struggling with that very thing, they can call me. I'll tell them that all the things that I've done and that God has allowed me to do over the years, being both in an occupation as well as ministry, God will use you in both ends of things. And I think sometimes, there's a lot of times you get a, a young man or young woman coming out of a Bible school or seminary, and they don't have practical experience. And it's very hard for them to deal with people because they've never really had to minister to people. That's the joy of having both an occupation or a job as well as being able to minister. For example, with uh, Northway, I worked, again, for for myself, and it gave me enough time to do some other things. And I ended up being the uh, singles pastor part-time also for for Northway when it was uh, developing as a a body. It's over 5,000 people at this point. And we set up the uh, campus meetings and all that kind of things that they do on a regular basis. So those opportunities were right there for me. When I came here to the upper room, I had that same opportunity. If uh, you remember that I had the opportunity to be the youth pastor here for a long time, including uh, me. (laughs) So I was working at the same time I was doing that and then also became an elder which, you know, uh, the things that we've done over the years, being able to go on mission trips, I feel very comfortable doing both. Mm-hmm. So if there's anybody out there that, that feels uncomfortable, don't. 
it's a great spot to be, and I really truly believe it's a godly spot to be. And also, how much ministry is done and pours out of Fire Force itself, the business alone, how much ministry is done just there, which is, I think, something that yes. sometimes we need a perspective change to. Like, that's separate from the ministry. You know, people believe that You're this in a is, box. Right. This is my job, or this is my day-to-day, and then here's church. But ministry flows from you into Fire Force, into the people you know, and I appreciate seeing that. Oh, thank you. The Lord has given opportunity in the midst of being in a business that's sometimes you're in a large corporate setting. I've had no hesitation whatsoever if God gives me a word to speak into somebody's life, even in a corporate setting where we're in a meeting. And uh, that happened in a very special way, probably about seven, eight years ago. One of the heads of the of MSA, we, we were having a, a corporate meeting. They asked me to come in and, and answer some questions. During that time, God spoke to me and said, you need to minister to this individual. I hesitated because of the, again, the setting that we were in was uncomfortable to do that. And I just said, okay, I can do this. And right in the midst of it, they were asking questions. I answered them and everybody was doing well in the circle. And I said, God spoke to me today about you and wondering if there's something we can pray for you about. And watch a grown man cry at that very moment. He had just found out he was dying of cancer. Everybody paused, and I just want to pray for you right now. And all those men just bowed their heads with me, and we uh, we got to pray pray for him. I think it planted a seed that I know that that helped him to go to be with Jesus. I'd for, I'd forgotten about that that thought that moment. I try my best to be faithful to to the Lord's voice. Don't always get it right, but I, I try to listen very clearly. And any time that I have got it right, God has really moved in, in just spontaneously awesome way. My wife says, I have a lot of stories. I have a testimony that, that continues to build every day and continues even as I get older. So thank you for helping me remember that, that time. That was oh. just an awesome time. Yeah. And the possibilities. If we're in that mindset in our jobs, in our work, that God can step in at any time if I'm present and listening. And he did and ministered right there to the person who needed it. Tell us what lights you up. For me, the single number one thing, because I really think that my ministry to the body as a whole over the years, as well as still, I love to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and to receive their prayer language and to see them more secure in their walk. To me, that makes my day. I mean, it just makes my year. The last Holy Spirit class I taught here, the evening that we had on Sunday night, was over the top. God just met us in a special way, and that just lights me up. It makes me want to to continue with what God has spoken in my life. I really feel that's my area of calling. I was actually telling Kate on the phone that my prayer was that I could pray for 100 people this year to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because I know that they can be equipped and empowered, that we can make a difference. And if we want to be in the marketplace, we've got to have every tool that God has for us. We've got to have everything working 100% in one direction, and that's to receive people to receive Jesus, and then also to receive that power that God has. Because of that, I think that's where the renewal is going to come from. So, Ron, if we have listeners out there that don't really know what you're talking about and are like, what the, what, can you, can you give us just, just a teaser, a brief introduction of what that looks like? Because I think we've heard a lot 
everybody needs Jesus and we talk about receiving Christ, but tell us <laughs> what it means practically when you talk about receiving the Holy Spirit. Okay. You look over and uh, I guess it's John 20. And um, you see Jesus with the, the disciples, and he breathes on them, breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then it then comes along Acts chapter 2, where Jesus has already prepared the disciples to say, you stay in that upper room because I got something powerful for you. And that, of course, uh, that's when Pentecost occurred. Two actions, same spirit, say salvation, which is basically that born-again experience where that spirit within you receives Jesus and changes your life. Okay, it doesn't change your look, but it changes your life from the inside out. But when Pentecost came, it changed everything. It empowered the Holy Spirit to work through us. And then, of course, always the controversy ends up being about speaking in tongues. It was a, a normal action that occurred when, when the disciples laid hands on people and they, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. That's just one of those actions that happens as majority of the time. Uh, people get hung up over that, which shouldn't, because there have been some significant individuals in ministry. It took a long time before they, they spoke in tongues. Even as far back as Azuzu Street, the leader there, he taught about the baptism, but had, did not receive. And it took him a while to do that. John Lake was one of my favorite individuals. Just longed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He received that part, but without speaking in tongues. It took him several years, and then all of a sudden, just that moment was correct and right for him. The baptism is key to a believer's strength. Not only does the baptism assist you in ministry, but it helps you in your prayer life and empowers that part of things. Not only that, he's given us gifts that we can use in the marketplace and with others. And you know, over the years, well, one for me is um, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, is where God has given me strength areas. And I've put that into practice over years. I've met people in special ways by sharing words of wisdom and words of knowledge with them. And it's amazing when it hits dead on the button how easy it is to minister to them. There's times when God even gives me names of people in the midst of ministering to someone. I'll speak a person's name to them. And the times that it's been dead on the button, it's so neat how ministry is released. And in Acts, you know, Paul actually differentiates that. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is different, and it does provide new depths and new power to the believer. And it's a good thing. Yeah, it is. Dunamos is the right word for it. It's a derivative of dynamite. That's really important. We also made a point that it was via baptism of water that we're talking about. And I always say that um, that it's, it's receiving salvation in that because that's that's what occurs with that water baptism is repentance, restoration occurs. Past that is you see that all through Acts and all the way until you get it, want to get to Corinthians. But all, all of Acts shows how the church grew because of this. I believe it's a necessary tool that we have that God has given us. Oftentimes, people, too, they get hung up on ministering into a formula. There is no formula for this. I will tell you that it's amazing how God will meet you no matter what you do, even if it's sometimes it's not exactly what, right? A, uh, I won't say who the minister was, but this was, uh, you know, uh, probably 20 years back, a really high-level evangelist from South America came and had lunch at my parents' house, and I, I got talking with him. He had shared greatly over the years about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they wanted people not only to receive Jesus but to receive the baptism. And I said, well, what did you do? He says, well, one thing I learned is, is there is no formula. So what we did, the first couple people that we prayed on, because we read in the Scripture that 
this is there. And we said, well, we believe that. It's right in the Bible. So he said, what we did was the first person, we just had them stand there and said to lay on hands. So they laid on hands. And the person began to spin around. And they were amazed by this. And so they figured that must be the right thing to do. So they figured everybody should go through that spinning action. So they they started to spin them. Oh, <laughs> and, that sounds terrible. <laughs> so they would just spin a little bit and they'd receive. And that, that was a crazy part. He said, you know, we were so <laughs> immature at that time. But you know what? He said, I don't remember everybody didn't receive. It's a heart desire. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I so longed to do it. I so wanted that part of things. So I was so hungry for that. After a, a week long of special classes that, that I went to, and I was so ready, all I had to say, would you like to receive? Yes, I want it all. I want it all. And so I raised my hands, and they came along behind me and prayed on me. And they said, now go ahead, speak in tongues. So I did for three days because it was so amazing to me. It was something I hungered for, and I, I was so positive. But you know what? My heart was very innocent. I was not plugged up with a lot of doubt. So, Ron, your light has been shining for, you say you're 66 years young, and you've been shining for a long time. But how are you specifically letting your light shine in this season of your life? I think in two ways. One is my own family. I've got great kids, and I've got awesome grandchildren. My relationship with my kids is phenomenal. I'm truly blessed to have that. I know they love me, and they know I love them dearly. I like them as adults. They're really fun. And, I mean, they are really, really, really neat. And I love my grandchildren, you know, the older and the young ones. I enjoy being around them, and they give me great joy. And, and Kathy and I, when we, they, we started getting grandchildren, we talked back and forth about, are we going to do that? When we get old enough, are we going to go down to Florida? Are we going to do this? And we, we made a choice to be here and to minister to our children our, and our grandchildren. We wanted to be part of their life as grandparents. Kathy and I, you know, have taken a great interest in our grandchildren, their spiritual walk, what they read, the things that we, they, they stay at our house all the time. And uh, so we have a chance to speak into their lives. And uh, so that's, that's number one. And number two is that guys opened a door to prepare something for the future. Yeah, I'm 66. Those that know me know my energy level is over the top. <laughs> and um, I'm capable of doing a lot of things at one time. God provided in a special way, this farm that we, we bought, 20 acres. I have a, such a vision for that place. The beginning of that, you know, we're going to see in the spring uh, when we, the thaw gets out and we get the final things done. But, but um, I've uh, prepared a, a prayer walk for people to come and, and to just sit. Nine different stone locations on the farm and to be able to walk that out and to listen to God. My hope over the, is not only to minister the baptism, but also to help people to learn to listen. Not, a, not to just speak, but to be able to listen. And once listening and hearing God's voice, to be able to grab that, to really secure their, their walk and share that with others. So that's what I'm planning here in the future. The property's neat and the buildings are awesome. And uh, we truly believe that it's going to be a, a place where people are going to be happy. I like it there. <clears throat> Jeez, there's a lot of ways this could go. <laughs> Is there any other thing you'd like to share with us? Random, funny, serious. I have plenty of funny. I have lots of serious. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. And you're probably thinking about my greatest trial is, is that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's up to you. Well, I'll give you a shortened version of it. And it has a lot to do with where I'm at right now and where Kathy is also. 
I moved to Baltimore. I went there to um, work for my uncle, my mother's brother. I came from Indiana and went there because there was a job available. I had worked for a landscape company that got sold out. So by, you know, they, they sold it, but they didn't sell me with it. So I needed a job. I came back to Akron where my parents were living, then took the job down in Baltimore. Well, God's plan for that was, I'm going, why did I end up in Baltimore? Well, the plan was to meet, meet Kathy. Kathy to be my, the love of my life. That part was awesome. But in the midst of doing that, that's one of those times when I got out of fellowship and I had no clue where I was going and I was making bad choices. Kathy was not one of those. <laughs> and um, we got married, and right a short time after we got married, her father died, fell off a roof in Saudi Arabia. And that stirred stirred up a whole bunch of stuff. During that time, you know, I was dad had no fellowship. But uh, Kathy and I had a great relationship, but she wanted me to get a job somewhere. <laughs> what occurred from there was my greatest trial. My uncle and I had a falling out. He owed me some funds. He felt I owed him. So he called me on the phone at my house he said, well, you better give me the money that you owe me. I said, I don't owe you any money. You actually owe me. So he hung up on me. My car still at the shop where I was working there. Now, this wasn't just a little car. This was an Opel GT I had rebuilt from the ground up. And that's a it looks like a small vet would go 140 miles an hour. And it was there, and he took a sledgehammer to it. So he busted all the windows out of it, knocked holes in it did all kinds of things. Well, in the state that I was in, I decided that I, I'd prefer killing him. Um, right before I was leaving to, to do that, I decided to call my mom to let her know that I was going to kill her brother, that he deserved it. I'd call my uncle and told him, I'm on my way. We're going to have this out, and it's going to be pretty. I was about ready out the door, called my mom, then the phone rang. It was my dad. If you remember back, I said my dad was a godly man. He says, you can't do this. I want you to pray with me. I said, Dad, I don't want to pray with you, you know? And it's, a lot of people probably said that in their in their lives. You know, you're lost. You know, I don't want what really is going to be right for me. And I said, I don't want to pray. And so my dad started praying on the phone out loud. And um, next thing you know, I found myself on the floor. I couldn't move. God wasn't going to let me off the floor until I forgave Bruce, my uncle, and that I wasn't going to kill him, that I wasn't going to kill him. And that spirit of murder, my dad was just speaking that out over me, and I wouldn't, God wouldn't let me up. Finally, when I gave in, gave over to God, in that moment, he let me off the floor. And I talked to my dad, and we prayed together. And uh, he says, do you got a Bible? I go, no. He said, do you have anything that's Christian? I said, yeah, I get the story of Jesus in, in illustration. He says, take that off. I want you to read that cover to cover. So I did. Once I got done with that, the phone rang. It was my uncle. He says, where are you? I'm ready to have it out. I said, Bruce, I'm going to, I can't do it. Um, I, I, I've seen Jesus, and I'm not going to do it. And he said all kind of bad stuff. That's all i got to say, bad stuff. <laughs> Kathy was unaware of what was going on. When she came in, I'm sitting here with this illustrated book of Jesus. <laughs> and the person she left with that day in the morning was not the person that was sitting in the chair when she came home. And I needed to get my car out of there. And this was the this was the second portion of the trial. And I always believe God does this because he wants, says, you know, did you really? Did you really change your heart? Did you really? Kathy called her uncle who was a, owned a really large towing company. She said, asked, you know, if he, we could go get the car and we'd meet him there and he'd tow the car because it was all smashed up. So we get there and all of Bruce's service vans are outside. 
And uh, her uncle came over with a big sledgehammer and handed me the sledgehammer. I says, have at it. I think he deserves a little bit. I said, no, we're not going to do that. Handed it back to him. So I, I forgave him. In the story, Bruce and I reconciled you know, before he died. He died of a tumor, but we reconciled. God got the win. The devil didn't. Mm-hmm. Because after that, all the things fell into place that God wanted. Kathy and I together, uh, from her testimony when she was on here, it all lines up. So that was my greatest trial. I mean, we've had some tests along the way, but that probably was something that set in. The end result is God had his man, and I was his man. And I have been since then, without looking back. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, Ron, thanks for coming on and sharing your stories. Ron has tons of stories. So mm-hmm. if you liked this one, go visit his farm yeah. <laughs> and find out some more. And also, if you're interested in learning more about the Holy Spirit, look for a class in the future with Ron about the Holy Spirit. And you can find him at church and start a conversation with him. Thank you for coming and sharing, and I just appreciate you and Kathy so much and the life experience you have and the wisdom that you own and are readily willing to share and just who you've been and how you have served. Well, thank you. You two ladies are awesome. Examples. And um, I appreciate you very, very much. Appreciate you guys. And uh, I know that podcasts work really good. I, you know, people have fun with it. They love listening to it. I know you guys are going to be blessed because of it. Oh, Thanks. Make sure you tune in next week. We have another special guest. Thank you. Bye. Bye.